Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. This morning we want to conclude the series, Made to Relate. How many of you guys have been blessed by this series? Some people were so blessed by this series that they got engaged. It's awesome. That's a good thing. But today I want to conclude with a talk on love. If you notice, we didn't really start with that. We kind of took a, a trip down. You can guys can bring me down a little bit, very loud. Um, and, um, and I want to end here because I think the misconception about love is what gets in the way of sometimes of love. <laughs> and so that's why I want to end with it and I'll start with it. And so my title today is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, um, it's actually, uh, I'm going to title this Love in Action. Um, and I'm going to stay in the book of First Corinthians. Last week I told you a little bit about this particular book, why it was written, to whom it was written. I told you how each Bible book has a particular audience, and it's an audience that the writer is looking to address. He's looking to, to speak to them about the situations that's going on in their lives. And they're coming out of a lifestyle that was not God's will, and so he's teaching them this is how you live a new normal in God's will, in God's purpose. And I told you how this particular church in, in, in the city of Corinth was very similar to, to, to where we are. It's a port city, a lot of movement, a lot going on. And so Paul is teaching them, okay, now that you embrace God's will, you embrace God's normal, see, this is how you work it out. This is how you walk into this. And so today I want to pay attention to a passage that's probably one of the most Famous passage in the Bible, but sometimes people don't understand where it's coming from. And I want to give us some foundation of why Paul is saying these things. It's 1 Corinthians 13, very famous when it comes to weddings. If you've been to a wedding, you probably have heard these, this passage before. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm, I'm going to focus on verses 1 through 7. But again, my goal today is to conclude with an all-inclusive message. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're flirting. It doesn't matter if you're engaged. It doesn't matter if you've been divorced. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter where you are in life. This is an all-inclusive message about this is how we're made to relate with one another. Can you say amen? So it doesn't just relate to marriages. It actually is deeper than that. He was talking about just how you live now as God's people. Because you're made to relate with one another. Can you say amen? So 1 Corinthians 13 begins this way. Okay. Paul says, if I could speak all the language of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Bam, bam. Just trying to give you, you know, sound effects with the visual. Superhero Sundays next week. Uh, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Can you say amen? Again, he is speaking to a specific group of people who have said yes to Jesus and his way. And now he's trying to teach them how to walk out now this new life that they have in Christ. And, and especially on Celebration Sunday, I like to remind people that the goal is not to just get baptized. The goal is to live out this new life that Christ has for all of us. So it's not a ritual. It's an experience with the Lord. It's just the next step in the right direction for what God has for our lives. Can you say amen? And so, and so Paul is here trying to convey something. But here's, here's the background that a lot of people don't understand. When, again, when Paul is writing something, is because he knows the people that he's talking to. Like, he's not writing on osmosis. Like, he's not, you know, Shakespeare trying to come up with some cute things to say about love. And I, and I think a lot of times that's how we approach this thing. That's why I didn't want to start with this. I want to end with this because a lot of times people have equated love with just mushy feelings. But that's not really what love is all about. If you notice here, Paul, everything that Paul says, it's almost like love is a verb. Like, love does. Love is. Right? It's never how you feel, it's what you do with the feelings that really displays that you understand what love actually is. For God so loved the world that he felt like loving you. No, he gave himself. That's love. Love sacrifices. Right? Love shows the commitment. Right? And so the reason why though Paul is writing this is because it is a church that is extremely immature in the understanding of church. If you, if you read the whole thing, Paul is actually, the reason why he's writing this is because of how they're dealing with one another. And how they approach in church, very immature in their understanding of this journey with Christ. If you, if you backtrack in the beginning, Paul is saying, why are y'all fighting over who is your favorite leader? Here's a church who is a church, but is divided in their approach of what church is all about. So some of them are like, I'm with Paul. Others are like, I'm with Apollos, which is another eloquent speaker in the church. Some are like, I'm with Peter. And then some of them are like, I'm with Jesus. And Paul's like, are y'all out of your mind? When I read Corinthians, I'm very encouraged. You know why I'm very encouraged? Because he shows you that a lot of times what people are thinking about church is just romanticized ideas of church. Like church is real people in real life doing real time. And there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some struggles. I don't know where we get this idea that I'm going to walk into a church and everything is perfect. Because the moment you walked in, it became less perfect. And Paul is dealing with this real issues in real time where people like to compare. And when you have four divisions, you don't have a unity, church. And Paul is saying, don't you get it? Like, we're all yours. He's like, you, what are you talking about, Paul or Apollos? What are you talking about, Peter? And, and, and you're so dumb. You're talking about you belong to Jesus. Don't, we, don't you know we all belong to Jesus? He's like, you're getting it all wrong. Right? And I get encouraged by that. Because church, to me, 
is real people in real time doing life. But hopefully we can mature as we go along to begin to focus on the things that actually matter and to drop the things that don't matter. Can you say amen? It's not about playing favorites. It's about the unity of the will of God over our lives. We all have personal preferences. But hopefully the will of God is bigger than my personal preferences. And that's what Paul is trying to teach him. Right? Not only were they trying to figure out who their favorite preacher, teacher was, uh, there was also a lot of arguments about who had the best gifts in the church. And so some of them are like, I prophesy, therefore, I'm probably a little bit better than you. Some of them are like, yeah, but I speak in tongues. I'm amazing. You don't. Clearly, you need to get your spiritual game up. Some are like, yeah, but look how much I've given to the poor. What have you done for the poor lately? And Paul is like, what in the world are you guys doing? Don't you understand that each one is given a specific gift so the entire body can be equipped to do the entire work that God has called us to do? He's like, what are you guys doing? And you can just see Paul's frustration as you write this letter. Like, what in the world? That's not the point of church. That's not the point of Christianity. That's not the point of why you have gift in the first place. If you have a gift, it's to be used to bless others, not to bless yourself. Paul goes even on to say, Paul is a boss. He goes, listen, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. But I'd rather think five, five words you can understand me than to try to be a spiritual, eloquent person that have no idea what you're talking about. So you're, even in your gifting, you're immature in how you're using it. My goodness, that will preach. <laughs> but these things don't happen nowadays. I don't even know why I'm sharing this. We're living a new day now, right? People don't compare yourself. People don't have favorites. People are not trying to figure out who is their favorite podcaster. We don't do that stuff anymore. Right? We're so mature nowadays. This stuff is beneath us. We're like, pastor, preach about holiness, something else. Because we don't need this comparison stuff. Come on, somebody. Right? And so he's like, listen, this unity, not going to get you there. Compare each other's gifts, not going to get you there. And to make matter worse, he's like, y'all are even suing each other? It's like, you can't even resolve an issue between the two of you, but you have to take someone else to court? When you, if you're so spiritually mature, why couldn't you resolve it between yourselves? Like, if you're spiritually mature, you don't have to call on Peter or Paul the Apollos. If you have the gift of the sermon, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, why didn't you resolve it? Instead of saying, I'm going to pray for you, why didn't you pray with each other and resolve that issue, actually, and and move on and show some maturity in the faith? I mean, this church was crazy. So a pastor said, a subtitle for for this book is Christians Gone Wild. And I'm like, thank God we don't have that anymore. <laughs> We're so mature nowadays that this stuff is beneath us. Right? They were having communion. People getting drunk off communion. How would you like to go to that church? 
Because back in those days, community was a party. It was supposed to be a celebration of life. It wasn't just a little mini biscuit, you know, with a little mini thing. It was like, no, a full-blown buffet. And they would hang out, and they would talk about life, and they, and they would share testimonies of what Jesus was doing, and they would break bread. But the problem is some people were showing up early and drinking all the communion wine. And Paul was like, what? Which, y'all are doing that? <laughs> Y'all going to hell. Like, Paul said it straight up. Like, go read it. Paul's like, some of y'all going to go to hell. Like, you can't be living like that and expect God to bless you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't make it up. It's there. Right? But the good news is we don't have those issues anymore. No one gets drunks anymore. No. There was a dude sleeping around with his stepmom. Hello, somebody. Talking about gross. Paul's like, no one's going to do anything about that? We're just going to pretend? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can't judge you. You sleep with your stepmom. Hallelujah. We don't have those issues anymore. No one's sleeping around anymore. (laughs) Welcome to church. So when he gets to here, understand what he's doing. He's saying, listen, I got to elevate your mind. In your thinking, your perspective, you need to grow up in your faith and have a better way of living. And if you go read it, he's, he breaks down all the gifting and then he says, now listen, I know you, you want to be excited about who speaks in tongues, who prophesies, but can I show you a better gift? What would happen if you begin to love each other with the same intensity that you want to prophesy? What would happen if you begin to love each other with the same intensity that you like to shabba ba 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 ba? Because I speak in tongues, he says, but I'd rather edify you with five words than to speak in tongues but hate you. Hello, somebody. Some of the most, listen, some of the most jerks people in the world are the most gifted people in the world. Quiet. Isn't it funny? The lady that speaks in tongues like crazy is the one that will kill you. If you sit in a seat in church, that lady will cuss you out in tongues. Like some of the meanest people in church are the most gifted. And Paul is saying you missed the point why you're gifted in the first place. Your gift was meant to edify your neighbor, not curse your neighbor, not think you're better than your neighbor. Matter of fact, you you keep using that gift that way. God will take it and give it to your neighbor and use it the right way. So he's like, let me elevate your thinking. Stop comparing your leaders. Stop comparing each other. And, 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 And come up a little bit in your maturity. Come up a little bit. He tells them knowledge puffs up. I don't care what you know, he said. I want to know what you do. Some people know the Bible, but never do the Bible. Uh, God already gave me a word for Christmas. I don't want to celebrate Christmas. I want to do Christmas this year. Let's do Christmas. Uh, And so he's saying, listen, I got to lift up your perspective. You're missing it. By thinking it's about who's better, who's this, who's that, who's looking around, who's got what going on, who's closer to the pastor. Forget that stuff. It's nonsense. You're called to something higher and greater. You're called to live in a way that society can look at you and say, wow, look at how they live. Jesus said, by your fruits, they will know that you follow me. 
Jesus said it's by the way you love one another that they will know. Wait a minute. That's something different going on over there. I may not understand the music. I may not understand why that preacher is so yelling all the time. But I understand they love one another. And, and there's something about that. So he says, you got to elevate your mind. Listen, you want to be mature, then learn to love. And, 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 and the illustration he gives you there, everything Paul uses is something they can see. When he says, listen, if you can speak language of the earth, he's talking about speaking in tongues. So he's like, but you don't love your labor though. He said, you want to do all this stuff for the poor, but you don't even like them. Isn't it funny? Some people will do something for the poor to get a picture, but they don't even like the person that they just. <laughs> but we don't do that today. They used to take selfies back in those days, not today. When you take a selfie by, by, by giving to the poor, God says your reward already been given. I just happened to stumble upon this person who has nothing, but I'm going to bless him. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Like, have we stopped to think about what we're doing? And those are the pictures that get so many likes. I mean, if we're going to help the poor, let's help the poor. How about we hang out with them for a little bit? How about we show them what love looks like? How about we sit down and have a meal with them? Not pretend or highlight our spirituality. How about we stop posting on Facebook and start living it out in real life? How about we take a Bible verse and say, God, this week I'm going to live this Bible verse. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to walk it out. I don't want to just have a cute post on Facebook. I want my life to be a cute post of what you're doing in people's lives. Because love does. Love does. I think social media is fooling people. Because you posted it doesn't mean you lived it. It's crazy nowadays how we show honor, right? We talked about this this week. Oh, I said happy birthday to you on Facebook. But what happened to like actually going to someone and throwing them a party in real life and showing I really celebrate you in real time, in real life, because you're a real person that needs to be loved in real time. He said, listen, if you really want to do this, it's an action thing. It takes patience. He starts with patience because love takes patience. He says, you got to be kind. The act of kindness is like foreign nowadays right because we want the big spiritual things because like those things mean nothing if you're not doing the practical hey i want to prophesy i want to speak in tongues but jesus is like but i never knew you though because you didn't actually live out these things he says don't be jealous don't be boastful don't be proud don't be rude why is it that in church we have the most rudest people in the world Why do we do this from the parking lot all the way here? It's hopefully to say to people, you're welcome here. Right? We don't want to offend you out there. You already feel weird about church. We want you to come in and feel good about it. And then let this guy offend. So when they get mad, let them get mad at me. Don't get mad at the parking lot team. Don't get mad at the usher team. Don't get mad at the welcome team. Let this guy take the brunt of it. Because the gospel is going to offend no matter what. Right? But he said, listen, you don't demand your own way when you're flowing in the love of Jesus. 
Because Jesus didn't. You don't come and say, what can this church do for me? Because I am so spiritually mature. I know all the Bible verses. Been to Bible school. I mean, been to seminary, cemetery, seminary, cemetery, seminary, cemetery, seminary, cemetery, seminary, cemetery. Glitch in my system. It says love is not irritable. Man, that will mess you up. Keeps no record of being wrong. Never going to do that again. Never going to serve again. Mm. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say that? He says it doesn't rejoice with injustice. Love doesn't expose injustice. Love exposes justice. You got what you deserved. Well, what if we all got what we deserved? Because love says, no, I'll give you what you don't deserve. Love rejoices with truth. 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 Truth is what sets people free. Truth is what sets people free. I'm just telling you the truth. Well, did you do it in love? Because if you didn't do it in love, it means jack. You know, some churches, we just preach the truth here. Yeah, you can do it better, though. <laughs> you can do it with love. You can do it with grace. You, you can do it like you actually care for people. You know, last week I mentioned hell a little bit. Can I tell you, like, to me, when people talk about hell loosely, to me, that's a psychopath. For real. Because when you think about the reality of hell, you don't just throw that around loosely like it's nothing. Like that, that should like make you tremble when you say it. It's such a, such a crazy thing to think that some people are going to live away from God for eternity. We don't just say it. To me, when people just say it, it's like you have no clue what you're talking about. You're just a psychopath. <laughs> Anytime you hear people throw the word hell around real quickly, run. You're dealing with a psychopath. Because that stuff makes me tremble when I think about it. It's like, man, you crazy? Like, I don't want to just throw that stuff around. You don't talk enough about hell. You're a psychopath. <laughs> Why are you obsessed with that? You should be obsessed with loving people out of hell. <laughs> Love them out of hell. Let me tell you something, church. If we begin evangelism with hell, we miss the point. The Bible doesn't start with hell. You have to start from the beginning. God created you good. And his desire is to restore you back to him. That's the gospel. Hell is not the point. Hell is not the point. Heaven is. He says, I came to restore all things. Renew all things. That's the point. Bring people back to their creator. Never start with hell. Because if you start with good, people will understand already, yeah, something's wrong. People already know something's wrong. Isn't it interesting? Most people will tell you what you already know. I was doing a marriage class yesterday, and I was telling a married couple. What's interesting is that most of the time when you're telling each other, you're not doing this, the other person already knows. Like, like us guys, we're dumb, but we're not that dumb. Like, we already know we're lacking in some areas. So you drilling that is not going to help. I'm just made to relate. We're still in that. You, I already know. Give me some room to work it out. 
so I can be better. But I'm never going to be better if you remind me of how we used to be. You got to remind me who I'm supposed to be. Tell me about who I'm supposed to be. That's the scriptures. That's what he's saying. Listen, if you can learn to just bring people in. Because love never gives up, he says. I tried. Well, keep trying. Love never lose faith. Always hopeful. Why do we always say the best is yet to come? There's always hope. There's always hope. Oh, I don't know if that person is ever. Are you God? There's always hope. If there's, if there's life, there's hope. Can you say amen? And then he ends with, it endures through every circumstance. You're going to go through hell. But you don't have to stay there. Love empowers you to move through and get a breakthrough. Can you say amen? amen. But what's amazing, he keeps going. He says, you guys, you got to grow up. Your faith needs to grow up. Your love needs to grow up. Right? Can I prove it to you? It doesn't stop there. Look, let me give you one more verse. In verse 11, look what he says to them. Same chapter. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. How good is that? Paul's like, yeah, I think like kids. Yeah, I think like kids. He says, how about we put away the childish stuff? How about, how about some grown-up love? How about we stop throwing that word around and start living it? Right? It's a lot of childish things, even in the church. A lot of childish things. Right? You, some of y'all, you look at me weird. I don't even know what I did to you. Hey, <laughs> right? Why don't you tell me why you're looking at me weird? Hey, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know when, at what point I said something that might have offended you. Maybe we should talk about it. That's what mature people do. It's not give me the cold shoulder. What's wrong? Nothing. Yeah. If something was wrong, I'd be worried. Like when I was teaching in high school, I tell the kids all the time, especially the girls. Girls, you talk with your eyes. I'm like, what's wrong? Nothing. But you're, I'm like, yo, if I can take your eyes out and show it to you. Your eyes are saying all kinds of stuff. Your neck is killing me. Right? What is that? It's just immaturity. I think that's okay for high school, but I think at some point we've got to graduate from high school and, and talk, and actually talk. Right? Because immaturity goes on Facebook and rents. It's like, that's what direct message is for. You want to talk to someone? Talk to someone. Because you, you, you're talking to everybody, but you know who you're talking to. It's like, that's just immaturity. Worse is when we go there just to find approval. Who's out there that can agree with me? It's just immaturity. We got to grow up a little bit. Got to grow up a little bit. Most people who leave the church don't tell me why they left. No, don't feel bad. I feel bad for them. <laughs> don't feel bad for me. I know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, like people don't tell you. What are we supposed to guess? We're supposed to just know because we're amazing. We, we have insight to everybody's heart and minds and souls. Like we know exactly what you're thinking. We know exactly how you're feeling. And by the way, we're supposed to cater to you because you are the center of the universe. No, that's immaturity. That's all immaturity. Immaturity is always louder. Because maturity doesn't have to prove itself. Paul said, we've got to grow up a little bit. Guys, we've got to grow up. You're a very gifted church, he says. You have a lot of talents, but you're supposed to be blessing each other. 
You're supposed to be doing this together. Because when you do it together, you can reach the world. You can reach the world. You know, you can be in the same room with someone, doesn't mean you're on the same page with them. When people talk about church, they say, you know, the, your church, I always correct them. I say, wait, is it your church or is it our church? Are we in this thing together or not? Because immaturity is about you. Maturity is about us. Like, we're in this. But why do we pray for providence today? Because we're one. We may not be there, but we're there with them. We're one. We're one. So let me end this, this Made to Relate series by giving you some practical grown-up Materials, just some grown-up stuff we have to do. Depending on where you are in your journey, we got to grow up. Okay, we, we talked a lot. So the first thing we need to do is if you're single, hello? We got to grow up and shut off our phones when we come to church. We got to. Listen, if you're in your single years, well, use it to know God in yourself. Don't be sitting around whining that you're single. Better celebrate that season in your life that God's giving you to grow with him and to know yourself so you know what you bring to the table. Hey, stop talking about being single like it's a cuss word. It's a season. And it's a great season if you approach it the right way with the maturity mindset. God, I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to get to know myself. So when I am ready... It's not about what that person can do for me. I know what I bring to the table. That's maturity. That's growth. Sometimes you got to put blinders on and say, God, it's awesome that Steph got engaged. It's awesome that Ray got engaged. Praise God for them. But Lord, I'm going to trust you for what you have for me. I'm going to trust you. You have a purpose and a plan for me. Second thing we got to do is we're going to date. Let's date to get married. Let's not date to waste time. You know, I tell young people this. I'm like, if you don't have a driver's license, if you don't have a job, why are you dating? If your mom is taking you to dates, you shouldn't be dating. (laughs) Come on, can we be honest for a second? If you're asking your mom for 20 bucks to go on a date, that ain't a date, that's a field trip. I'm just trying to be real. We got to grow up a little bit in our understanding of why we're doing some things. If we're going to date, date to get married, especially like most of you are of age, it's like, why waste time? Why waste time? Not just yours, but the other person. If it's not going anywhere, let's call it. Right? Let's call it. Let's be friends. Let's not get weird. Right? So we can coexist. Because, you know, the church doesn't work, and then people are like, I got to go. I feel weird to be there. But it's like, wait, you were worshiping that person, or is Jesus your reason to worship? We got to grow up a little bit. And the next thing is, listen, I believe in short engagements. Have a date in mind. Don't get engaged and be engaged for five years. This ain't no payment plan. Like, if you're going to get engaged, I tell the guys this, they get engaged. I'm like, what's your date? Because once you get engaged, you got the ball rolling. It's like, have a date established that, listen, three months from now, six months from now. I don't know what the timeline is, but in my mind and heart is three to six months. 
get engaged and get married. So it's official. It's blessed. It's not weird. You're not doing weird things. You're not playing house. You're playing the will of God over your life. Come on. I know this goes against the grain. But it's grown up. We got to grow up a little bit. Uh, grow up a little bit. Okay. When you get married, keep dating. Okay. Keep dating. Don't stop dating your wife. Don't stop dating your, your husband because you got married. You know, still in marriage class yesterday, I said, listen, you guys, when you get married, don't just go home and put on PJs. You know how depressing that is for a guy? Every day I walk in, oh, the flannels again. The flannels again. It leads a man to drink. Like, let's keep it fresh, ladies. Married ladies. Once in a while, let's throw it back to where we met. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's bring that romance back. Let's bring that love back. But fellas, I can't leave you off the hook. When was the last time you brought flowers home just because? Just because. I'm telling you, the more you bring flowers home just because, the more other things happen just because. Mary talk, Mary talk. If you're 15, the same for you. Mary talk. Listen, let me, let me keep it going. Practical stuff here. Listen, don't let money hold you back. Stop with the money talk. Are you in love or not? Nowadays, I'm hearing some weird things from young couples. We got to have the biggest house in the neighborhood. We got to have the biggest wedding. It's like, by the time you get married, you're in debt. And the number one reason people fight in life is money. So be smart. It's not about money. It's about the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. You don't need to have crazy amount of money in the bank to get married. All you need to do is knowing like this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And then you build your life from there. Right? You learn to, to get married, get in a house, and then you start buying the things that you want for yourself. Like you get a couch, you celebrate that. You get a table, you celebrate that. You know, that, that's how you live. And again, I like to remind people, put on blinders. I don't care what Jimmy and Sally are doing. They got a beautiful cul-de-sac. Praise God for them. Listen, we got a house. We're going to make it here. And we're going to have plans for next year and the next year and the next year. Embrace you. Embrace your will and what God has for you. It's all, it's all unique. Right? It's all unique, but don't make this about money. Money is a resource, not a God. If you know you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person, you don't have to wait three years to do it. I'll marry you in your living room. For free. For free. My wife and I got married 12 years, almost 12 years ago. We got married, actually in New Bedford, in, in a church basement with, with, with paper plates. And we had all the church mothers in the house make food. And it was awesome. And because I'm Cape Verde and I told everybody to come, I didn't count names and people and stuff. And so we ran out of food. But I was like, I don't care. I'm married. I'm married. What? Would you came here for the food? Came here to see us get married. There's a Burger King down the street. Let's not make this about money. If you want to marry someone, marry them. Let God take care of you. Do we have faith enough for God to take care of us? Next thing is you got to serve God together. Serve God together. That's why I keep telling you, 
if he doesn't love Jesus more than he loves you, maybe pump the brakes. Serve God together. It's the greatest blessing. And I don't mean like on the same team. Because we don't want that weirdness neither, you know. Like, I, don't want, I don't want Steph get on the usher team and y'all over here holding hands. <laughs> we don't need that. She's fine where she is. She's serving God in the kids' ministry. I don't want that weird, mushy thing. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being in the same house, doing God's will together, whatever God has for you. You know those couples? It's like, I love love, but y'all are weird. They're always holding hands. Every other word, stop. Get a room. Stop. Okay, serve God together. And last thing today, speaking of that, listen, only have sex with your spouse. Okay. Only have sex with your Don't have sex with your phone. Don't have sex with some imaginary person out there. Your wife is good enough. Your husband is good enough. Only have sex with your spouse. Come on, you glad you came to church today? It's practical. It's very practical. Let's not complicate this thing. It's very practical. God wants us to love one another friendship-wise, relationship-wise, church-wise. It's how we show the world that there's a God. The greatest way that God, the people are going to know out there that this is matter is how we live our lives. When you live this day, remember, you're going into the mission field. It's out there that you need to show that you're patient, you're kind, you don't boast, you're not prideful. Right? It's, it's when situations arise in church that we show our maturity. We want to get offended and leave. Sometimes I think about that. I'm like, what are you going to tell Jesus? The man who did that for the church. What are you going to tell him? Oh, I didn't like the way that they... Is that way you tell? You think he's going to like, oh yeah, I know. I know. You're so right. No. Love, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a verb. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave sweat, blood, tears. On a cross to show this is how much I love you. And the Bible says no greater love than the one who lays down his life for his friends. He says now that you re- receive that love, now pass it along. Pass it along. Give like I give. Serve like I serve. Bless like I bless. He says if you do those things, then you are my disciple. Then you look like me. You talk like me. You act like me. Can you say amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to pray this morning. I love that song, guys. Can you go back to that song? To surrender, to let the Holy Spirit have his way. I don't know where you are in your journey. But I do believe that God has a plan for you. I do believe in every word that I share that Jesus is with you and is for you. Nobody is too far gone. No one has made mistakes that can't be fixed. That's the good news. We serve a good God, a loving God. 
He's not mad at you. He loves you. He's for you. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? I want to pray for you. All over this building, would you receive Spirit of Jesus come. Spirit of Jesus, have your way. Have your way in every life, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill every heart, every soul. God, meet us exactly where we are. But don't leave us there. Take us where you want to take us. Mold us and shape us. We want to be made in the image and likeness of your son, Jesus. So have your way with us, we pray. We surrender, Lord. We surrender. We came to surrender. So have your way, Lord. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you and that you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.